Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, January 10th, 2021. May God use this as a blessing to you today. And now, Pastor John Gentry. Would you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray that as we reflect on the scriptures we've just heard, the words would become like seeds planted deep into the soil of our hearts and minds and take root so that we will be able to bear the good fruit of your spirit. Amen. In uh, 2015, a comedian and writer named Aaron Gillies, a.k.a. uh, technically Ron, (laughs) shared on his Twitter account a sweet yet funny anecdote about his wife and her tendency to tear up. That's Aaron on the right and uh, his wife Lexi on the left. He wrote, My wife cries at absolutely anything. I mean anything. So... I started uh, writing the reasons down because reasons. Some of them included the fluffy bunny escaped from an Arctic fox in a documentary. There was no biscuits in the house. I tried to hold her hand when she wasn't expecting it. I cooked her dinner after a long day. She watched a video about a dog. (laughs) These are all reasons that made her cry. Other Twitter users responded by sharing their moments. So someone wrote, I cried reading this list. Another person wrote, I cried last night because I love Christmas spirit so much. Someone else wrote, one time I cried over an eggplant. And another person, my dad cried at the end of Shrek because it's just so beautiful. One last one. I cried when I took this picture of my dog because he was so happy. All of us know someone who fits this description, am I right? Uh, Someone that just will break down in tears at the drop of a hat. It could be a brother or a best friend or a coworker or one of your parents. Maybe that's even you. Of course, we know that crying is a very human thing, and we do it for all sorts of reasons when we're woeful when we are overjoyed, when we are laughing, when we are chopping onions. Paulo Coelho writes, words are tears that have been written down. Tears are words that need to be shed. Without them, joy loses all of its brilliance and sadness has no end. Thank you then for your tears. There's something about letting the waterworks flow that helps express what the heart is feeling, right? You would think that those tears welling up in your eyes would distort your vision, but instead they tend to help us see things more truly, more clearly. Perhaps the same may be true of the water of baptism that gives us clearer eyes to see God. Something mysterious and wonderful happens when we look through watery eyes eyes that have been bathed in the waters of baptism, and witness a new thing happening in us and around us. United Methodists view baptism as a sacrament because it is something that Jesus both commanded and participated in. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River to, quote, fulfill all righteousness. Just as soon as Jesus comes up from the water, with hardly enough time to wipe away the river water from his face, he watches with watery eyes as he is anointed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says this, And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he had come up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I am sure that this must have been a surreal moment for John the Baptist. He had been preaching and baptizing people in anticipation of this very moment, telling people to get ready for a baptism even greater than his own, a baptism that would bring with it the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here, with the heavens opened up, everything that he had taught his followers was coming to pass. I've been thinking a lot about water this week, both voluntarily in my sermon preparation and also involuntarily too. On Monday night, my wife and I began hearing bubbly, squishy sounds under our feet in the hallway, which is never good, uh, followed soon by water seeping up through the cracks of the floorboards. After inspection, it turned out to be a slab leak that was coming from the hot water line. Felt bad for my landlord. But that also means that we've been taking cold showers all week. Who needs coffee in the morning when you've got that, right? Now, I am from South Carolina, as some of you know, and while the winters there are no match for some colder places and parts of the country, like the Northeast and Midwest, temperatures do still drop below freezing there sometimes. And I grew up with two brothers and two sisters. So a big family, that means the hot water runs out on a regular basis, even in the winter. So I didn't get used to it back then, and uh, I don't seem to be getting used to it this week either. That's why I'm always amazed by people who voluntarily say yes to polar bear plunges. If you don't know what this is, it's a, a mid-winter dip in a body of water, or if you're doing time with children in a bathtub, and to make things extra fun, they say wetsuits are cheating. So no wetsuits. I uh, grew up at the top of a cul-de-sac on Lake Hartwell, and when I was in high school, my brother and a few of his friends started their own tradition of doing a polar plunge into the icy waters of the lake every January. Why? Why? Oh, why did they do it? I don't know to this day. They weren't raising money for the Special Olympics or a Make-A-Wish Foundation like some official polar bear plunge events. No, I, I guess they just wanted to feel alive. <laughs> you know, doing the thing that normal people do to feel alive, taking a 40-degree bath. But now, uh, well, now that I think about it, maybe, maybe it's not such a strange thing. I mean, during this pandemic, we've done all kinds of things we wouldn't normally do in order to keep living life and keep that spark of hope alive. We wouldn't normally spend this much time on Zoom and FaceTime calls, but many of us have decided it's worth it to stay connected with the people that we love 
and to carry on with our work in school. Most of us wouldn't normally think of carrying hand sanitizer and a mask in our back pockets at all times, but we do it because we want to keep ourselves and others alive and well. And when it comes to Christian baptism, while we view the sacrament as quote-unquote ordinary or regular means of God's grace for our lives, it is by no means unexceptional or uneventful. On the contrary, we find new life in baptism. As we take that plunge, whether by sprinkling or pouring or immersion, the act is a reminder of our dependence on God for life in the present and eternal life to come. In it, God's saving work begins as we experience, as Titus 3, 5 puts it, the water of rebirth and renewal in the Holy Spirit. It does make for a nice ceremony, but it's much more than a simple rite of passage. We believe that the Holy Spirit is present at baptism and starts something new within us. We heard in today's scripture reading about a group of disciples in the city of Ephesus who, had, uh, who certainly could testify to this truth. This is not Paul's first time in Ephesus. He's returning to the city uh, with many relationships already built, particularly those in the church that he had helped establish there. J. Bradley Chance writes, Paul was instrumental in founding the Christian community in Ephesus, though his co-workers, particularly Priscilla and her husband Aquila, made significant foundational contributions. Paul's extended stay of some three years speaks to the importance of that city in, Paul, uh, in Pauline mission. Yet, here in this story in Acts 19, Paul encounters some new acquaintances. They are called disciples, but what kind of disciples? This seems to be Paul's question because he asks an investigative question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? When they reveal their unawareness of this gift of the Holy Spirit, Paul then asks about their baptism. The group tells them that they'd become disciples through John's baptism, as in John the Baptist, assumedly. Theologians are divided about whether or not these disciples belong to the Christian community in Ephesus. Uh, maybe they had been taught by Apollos, who was a prominent leader in the church, yet who needed some further learning from a married couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Or maybe uh, they had not been initiated into the Christian community and were working out uh, only what they had heard from the late John the Baptist. Uh, what we are sure of is that they had not received the Holy Spirit. At first glance, as we examine their words, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You might think that they somehow do not know about the existence of the Holy Spirit. But that probably is not the case. There are, these are most likely Jews who, like their spiritual father, John the Baptist, were invested in not only what God was about to do, but also what God had already done. F.F. F. Bruce writes, If they had any Old Testament background at all, they would have had some idea of the Spirit of God, sometimes called His Holy Spirit. More particularly, since they had received John's baptism, they would presumably have been told that John's baptism, John's baptism was preparatory 
in view of the approach of one who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, or that his baptism had now been inaugurated. For this reason, Bruce translates the response like this. We never even heard that the Holy Spirit is available. In other words, they didn't know that what John the Baptist had been preaching about had finally come to fruition. Despite the fact that there was a worship community of uh, Christians right there in Ephesus. This is probably a familiar feeling for most of us, right? God is always at work in our lives, preparing us for things to come, but we don't always recognize it and, and don't always know that it's happening. Sometimes a certain person comes along who helps make sense of that work that God has already been doing. Have you had any mentors in your life that have made a difference? Have they walked with you through the peaks and the valleys, through the happy tears and the sad tears? I wonder if you can be that person for someone else right now. I'm sure that you have uh, noticed a theme in today's message about baptism and new life. In the Christian calendar today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. United Methodist uh, and many Western uh, churches often focus their epiphany celebrations on the story of the Magi. But Eastern Orthodox Christians primarily connect epiphany with Jesus' baptism that functions as a revelation of Jesus as God's Son. There are all kinds of interesting epiphany traditions, uh, but one of the most unique has to be the one practiced by some Orthodox Christians in Russia and Eastern Europe who have a polar plunge of their own. On the eve of Epiphany, priests and parishioners grab their axes and chainsaws and head out to the frozen rivers and lakes to cut holes big enough to dip in. They usually carve these holes in the shape of a cross, and uh, they add wooden steps to assist people in and out of that frigid water. As the, at the ceremony, there's a, a blessing of the water before some very brave souls in their swimwear wade into the water at below zero temperatures to dunk three times and then head out. There's a certain amount of alertness that comes with the cold, right? Uh, on that eve of Epiphany, if anyone is feeling a bit sluggish or sleepy before getting into that water, I guarantee you that they will be wide awake afterward. That is, that, that's in a sense what we are called to do when we celebrate Jesus' baptism on this Sunday. We are called to pay attention and lift up our eyes to the glory of the heavens opening and the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus like a dove. You might say to yourself that if you were there, you would certainly be paying attention, right? But what about today as we reread and retell the story for the umpteenth time for some of us? Are we still allowing that story to do something in us today? Do we still feel the pull to remember our own baptism and to trust that the Holy Spirit is active among us? Are you overwhelmed with the joy that the same spirit that worked in Jesus to bring the dead to life is the spirit that lives in us? 
I imagine that the disciples that Paul met in Ephesus must have been clamoring with excitement and joy when they heard the good news. I bet they were listening intently as Paul explained to them that the importance of being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit. William Henry Williman writes, The Spirit, as Paul assures the followers of Apollos, is not optional equipment for Christians, not some advanced degree which separates spirit-filled Christians from the run-of-the-mill, non-spiritual Christian proletariat. The good news is that for all of us who have been baptized, we all share in the same Spirit. This is the Spirit who we can look to for wisdom and inspiration as we step into this new year. It's already gotten off to a bumpy start, hasn't it? This has been a difficult week for the nation, as Pastor Jim mentioned in his prayers. The events surrounding the Capitol have left people feeling stunned and in disbelief. Rather than a peaceful transition of power, things have seemed to be everything but peaceful. And on top of that, we continue to hear about cases of COVID-19 going up and up, as do COVID-related deaths. On top of that, we continue to hear about uh, other troubling news from our family and friends. And I know this is not how we wanted to start 2021, but there is hope. As people of faith, we know that we can trust God in the process. Who knows what good things God has in store for us? Like those disciples in Ephesus who didn't know what was coming their way as Paul was traveling there. Perhaps there may be amazing Holy Spirit moments this year ahead of us. My prayer is that God would help us not to despair, but to remember with watery eyes the baptismal hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus has been faithful and given us the Holy Spirit to guide us forward. There's a great song by Carrie Underwood that Pastor Jim introduced me to. It's called Something in the Water. And part of the lyrics go like this. Then somebody said what I'm saying to you, opened my eyes and told me the truth. He said, just a little faith and it'll all get better. So I followed that preacher man down to the river and now I'm changed and now I'm stronger. There must have been something in the water. There must have been something in the water. She's not talking about ice in the water. No, something more powerful than that. Something that will have us all feeling chilled. I mean, thrilled. Amen?